Welcome and uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody here, uh, to Manistee, to those listening online. I just want to say welcome. We're in a blood, sweat, and tears series. Uh, and we went uh, with an opening that John preached about grace. And it was a stunning, beautiful message that we need to hear and embrace uh, because it is the simplest portion of our Christian life is God gives grace to us with no ifs, ands, or buts. And through our faith in the grace, we're saved. And sometimes we confuse that. Uh, and we think we got to get all cleaned up and ourselves all together before we can even come into church. And, you know, we've said that's like taking a shower before a bath. No, just get in, right? And we can get in so easily because it's this incredible gift of God's grace. It's a showering of his personal opinion about you, his child. And then Ben followed it up last week with our faith is shown through how we choose to live, through the deeds that we do. Um, and that's another beautiful thing is it's a response. It's not a requirement. So it doesn't necessarily attach itself to grace. They have to be separated first uh, because none of our works are going to get us there, Right. We all agree with that. And today we're going to talk about um, something a little different that maybe you haven't looked at in a while, or maybe never, uh, and it's about sacrifice. It's about sacrifice. So um, Eugene Peterson is uh, a pastor and an author, and he wrote The Message and a number of other books out there. My wife has a uh, devotional that she does that he's written, and he wrote something about sacrifice that I want to share with you. So this is what Eugene says. Sacrifice isn't something that we do for God. It's simply setting out the stuff of our life for him to do something with, right? So a portion of it is, you know, if we did this and it's our power and our works, and what Eugene is saying, that's not what it is. Sacrifice isn't something we do for God. It's simply setting out the stuff of our life for him to do something with. That's the good stuff and the bad stuff and the in-between stuff. So we just lay it out there for him. That's what sacrifice is in biblical terms. But before we get there, I'm going to tie in the tragedy of uh, this past week. And I don't want us to forget Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is about all of the people that are currently serving or have served in some capacity within our nation's military. And that's a sacrifice to go do that. And some have paid the ultimate sacrifice with their lives. Uh, we're very distant from that today. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of history that is kind of being forgotten. Some of us are really studying and, and remembering the past, and it's really important to remember those things. Um, but we honor those that have passed whether in battle or not, and we honor those who gave up a portion of their life to serve our country. And I'm convinced one of the reasons that a lot of those people chose to serve is so that we could do this today. Amen? We, we still live as jacked up as our country is. We're still free. Now, freedom comes with a cost. Now, cost at that time was a sacrifice. So show respect however you can, to those who've served. And we have this freedom. 
and I'm about my life living freely, and I get home and uh, open my iPad, and I'm just kind of Googling some news, and the headlines hit me like a brick, like they hit all of us, like a brick. And I'm, I'm, first, I'm just stunned as I'm reading this news, and it starts out that this many died, and then a little bit later, more, and you know, more information. We're not going to talk about that, but suddenly it's the magnitude of this stunning blow that's happened to the moral fabric, to the future of our nation, to these children. Just, it made me so angry. And I, I don't know if anybody else felt that way. But I was alone, and I was on my deck, and I'm reading it. And I mean, I was PO'd. I, I, I just couldn't get over the hatred that I felt inside. And then I know that that hatred anger is actually fear. And I, I didn't want to admit that because it felt justified. And as I began to realize that, there's this next word, and it was just, I was just horrified. As I'm reading about these little kids. Horrified, you know, and I, we're so casual with our language. You know, I, I'm so sick of somebody going, yeah, I went, you know, to this place, and, and it was horrible. No, it wasn't. It just didn't meet you. It wasn't horror. It was just an event. Or, you know what, I'm going to take all these pictures of this burger. It was awesome. No, it wasn't. It was a burger. And you were hungry, and you spent too much money on it, okay? Um, so, so we use these words, these descriptive words, way out of place, so that we don't even have them anymore. There isn't a word to describe what happened other than evil. So, in the midst of these feelings, like, what do we do? How, how, how do we rectify this? How, how do we get anything out of this? And I, I don't have the answer. I don't. But I know how we respond as Americans. And one of the saddest things for me is that the statistics that I'll read about social media and about corporate media, and believe me, all of you hear this, it's corporate media. They're there to make money. They're not there to do facts. I don't care what side you're on. It's a corporation, and their bottom line is their goal. So don't you ever think that's the truth. Truth comes from God. So, the stuff that's going to happen, and it's already begun, is we're going to politicize it. And we're going to start arguing. And we're going to have an opinion, and those opinions are all fear-based. I promise you they are. You can say you're angry. I'll tell you you're afraid. And out of this fear base will come ludicrous trash out of our mouths that will spout to whoever will listen. And usually what we're spouting the most vitriol is to those who disagree with us. God doesn't care about your politics. He cares about your heart. So that's what's going to happen in social media 
and in media, and there's going to be ludicrous people out there saying ludicrous things, and they're all afraid to death, and they don't have the answer, and so, of course, when we don't have the answer, we're going to blame other people, and that's not how God built us. He built us a totally different way. He built us to respond rather than react. My first emotions were all reaction. And as I processed, I realized I can't do anything physically for the families that lost these children and these teachers. I I, I can't go down there. I'd be useless. I can't do that. And my money isn't going to make a difference in there. So that means i got to do something here. And one of the things I get the privilege of is having this microphone thing. And, you know, I, I get to speak a little bit. But we always have to look to Scripture for our answer. And it's in blood, sweat, and tears. If you didn't have tears this last week, I wonder if you have a pulse. Blood, sweat, and tears. It's his blood, sweat, and tears, and it's our response to that. And Scripture gives us this beautiful picture of something called sacrifice. So we've been given grace, and that's on our cards. And our works help show our faith. And we're not working to get something back. And now we have this weird word called sacrifice. So... When I was young growing up in the church, and I would hear these things, uh, the Old Testament, um, there were these things called sacrifices, and God picked the Jewish nation, and they go through all of this turmoil and stuff, and he sets these specific rules for them, and one of the things that they offer is sacrifices, and they have specific religious holidays that they follow as a nation, and some of them are short, and some of them are up to a month long, but they almost always include sacrifice, and sacrifice was always something that was dead, so you brought a lamb, or a dove, or a goat, or maybe some grain, depending on the time of year and what it was for. And you would bring it to the, to the priests at the temple, and it was a significant thing. And you were to bring your best. So if you had 10, you'd bring the, the goats 1 through 10, and 10's the best. That's the one that you would bring in, and you would offer that to God. And there was this relationship that they had that, that it was kind of like the scapegoat where the sin could be placed and this sacrifice, you're given the best of what God's given you. He's only given you the whole earth, by the way, and, and you're going to give that back to him. And then the priest would take it, and they would, they would butcher the animal, and a portion of it would go on the fire, on the flames, and it would be burned. And it's, you know, some, some of the songs we sing, may it be a sweet, sweet smell. And that's the offerings. And then the rest was used to feed the priests, whether it was grain or a portion of a critter, and and that's what it was. And the cool thing was, is when they did that sacrifice, it was a family thing. See, they didn't have, they didn't compete with phones. You know, that's, I'm going to be honest with you, that's that's the toughest competitor I've ever faced in my life, is phones. And I'm so against them that uh, when you try to call me, you'll just be frustrated, (laughs) because it'll go to voicemail, and I check voicemail sometimes. Because I just don't want to compete. 
they had their families and they talked about the reason why and they would read the scripture and they're educating and they're discipling their neighbors and being discipled by their neighbors and then they would all gather as this big community and, and it was beautiful and that community has lasted to today. Now it's fractured. So I'm thinking about this community because I'm trying to prep for a sermon and then this news comes in and I lose my mind for a while. I'm certainly not going to write a sermon at that point because I'm probably going to get fired because of the language I wanted to use. See, I'm human. And I started thinking about a movie. And the movie is from, I think, like 2008, and uh, it's called Defiance. And it's about World War II, and I'm I study a lot of World War II. There's so many life lessons and so many psychological lessons and so many um, community lessons out of World War II that the deeper you go, the more you're going to learn about people. And people are evil. So this group of Jews in this movie, it's in Belarus, and the Nazis are coming through, and they're gathering Jews and they're putting stars on them, and they're throwing them in cattle cars, and they're murdering families. And Them, my friend, is horrific. See, the word made sense then, not about the little drama. And in the midst of this horror that's going on, some of them escape, and there's two brothers that are the primary characters, and they, they flee into the woods, and, and they're trying to make a decision of what to do. And a portion of them is, is one of the guys, he wants to, be, to, to join the resistance, is what he wants to do. And by that, get guns, get weapons, get grenades, and kill Nazis. That's what he wants to do. He wants revenge, is what he wants. And that's what I wanted at first when I heard about the news. And the other brother says, no, there's a better way. We're going to survive. He doesn't say we're going to flourish. He says, we're going to survive as a group. We're going to get together, and we're going to start providing, and everything everybody has will be put into one thing, and nobody gets more than the other, and we're going to care for the sick. And before they know it, people start coming to them, and they end up with an entire Jewish community living in poverty, in freezing cold Belarus in the woods with no supplies. So they scavenge and they hunt and, man, they suffer like you can't believe. Think of the horror that they just left, that they fled, and now here they are. And there's a festival that they're supposed to be celebrating, and the rabbi is leading them, and he's going to lead them in prayer. What I love about this rabbi, like I've seen in a lot of movies, I don't know if this is real or not, but they're very demonstrative, and they have mastery of the language that they're speaking, and they're very, very, very literate in the Old Testament scriptures, and as he's ready to lead this, he leads his congregation in prayer, and this is how I felt for a minute. He says, uh, God, you're our father. And you chose us as your people. We are your children. And we've been chased from country to country. And now these men are hunting us and trying to kill us. And we've lost our loved ones and all of our possessions. And we have nothing. God, we're your chosen people. 
Will you choose someone else? And when I remember that, I remember watching that movie and that just broke me when he said that. He's not saying, God, we're going to leave you. He didn't have words to describe the agony that he was feeling for his people and that he was enduring himself. And it's similar in a really small way to what I was experiencing. Maybe you as well getting that news. And the spirit translates to God when we pray. Because that what God loves is that was from that man's heart and he knows his heart. And he's not saying, really, go choose somebody else. He's saying, God, we can't make sense of this. Will you take it from us somehow? And when I remembered that, processed through my feelings a little bit, the Holy Spirit, sometimes when he's translating our prayers, groans before God. And God interprets and knows what it means. And it doesn't mean we're going to run away. It means I'm so broken over this. I'm so stunned. I'm so horrified. I'm so afraid of what just happened, God, that I'm immobile and I have no power. Can you do something, please? I don't know if we can survive another one. God says, no, you can't see. Got a plan. I got a plan that's good for you. And you may not see it and it may not feel good, but the plan I have for you is to be my child and to experience my grace and to experience true unconditional love right where you're at. No ifs, ands, or buts. Who you are is who he loves. So I'm asking this as a church, please don't argue with people about this in person. Please don't do it online. Don't be that foolish. Don't take that bait. That's the lowest bait there is. Don't. Be smarter. Be wiser. And we're going to get to why in just a minute. And I want you to think of the person that has differing views than you, that can sometimes make your lid flip and you feel all angry and stuff. And I want you to look at them and on their forehead, like Foster Christie keeps telling me, is it says, on their forehead, as it does on everyone's forehead, for whom Christ died. Drop the mic. We're going to respond to this through sacrifice. So the scripture that we're going to go to is Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1, actually Romans 12 is, uh, I was talking with Cody in the back room, and it's, uh, uh, it's how to live your life, this chapter. So if you ever get confused, just remember Romans 12 and start reading it. It's not very long. Uh, it will give you vast instructions, but it begins this way. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Whew. Okay, everybody's got that. Go do it. Oh, it's confusing a little bit. At least it was for me for a very long time. So it says, uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So he's saying, hey, pay attention here. This is really good. Remember all the grace God gave you, the mercies that he gave you? In light of that, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And when you do that, it's holy and acceptable to God. And that's our spiritual worship. So often we said from the stage, we worship 24-7. 
right? Unless you're asleep and you can't control your dreams like me and they're weird. The rest of our life is to be lived as worship. Now, we're not going to do that perfect. And I mean, it's kind of like uh, pray without ceasing. Well, we have to figure that out. That, you know, that's a long discussion. That's a fight club or a, or a women's Bible study type of a t- topic. But it, in another version, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, present yourself, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing to God. And this is your act of spiritual worship. So if we do this, it's pleasing to God. And that sounds kind of cool to me because I've got a lot of things that I tried to keep hidden that I knew weren't pleasing to God. And that takes a lot of work. That's like lying all the time. You got to keep, you know, the lies straight. And suddenly you do something that's pleasing to somebody. The response isn't like he loves me more or better, but I feel better. Something in me now is like, wow, those things, that's called endorphins, I think. Something happened in my brain. You know, I used to seek that chemically. This is even better. I feel okay. And my day gets better, and my life feels better, and I have this, not an addiction, but this desire to try something again. So, you know, this living sacrifice, though, I thought sacrifices were dead. I mean, that's what the Old Testament was. Bring your dead. Well, they were live up until they got sacrificed. Sacrifice meant killing something. I wasn't a fan of that because, you know, what I kept thinking was, oh, you want to know all my fun is going to be taken away. If I have to do this sacrifice, yeah, you know, God's going to ask me to offer my Nintendo 64 I just got bond. He's going to want it. Now, no, that wasn't it. Something else, something much deeper than that, much deeper than that. So we're going to offer, offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Well, you know, before I became a follower of Jesus, my life was a series of events, you know. Some of them you just show up to, right? Some events, I don't have a lot of control. I remember being in school, and they made me go, right? And work. Yeah, if I wanted my job, I had to go. So there were certain things that I just was involved in. And a lot of things ended up being my choice. And every day, going through your life, and they're 24-hour cycles. And, you know, X amount is sleeping, hopefully. And then here's the day. And it felt like I was kind of moving uphill. And there were people kind of pushing me back down. And every day felt like a failure. I mean, when I really got quiet. I mean, I might have done something cool like mow the lawn or whatever. There's a mini success. But overall, the big picture in life, the meaning in life, why am I here, was never answered. And it didn't seem like I was moving any closer. It felt like a long string of defeats. It's like, man, I don't like this. So, you know, then I take things into my own control, ruin it all. And I end up in this really quiet moment. And it's... Something I call quiet sacrifice. Because all of the chaos and all this stuff, everything came crumbling down, and I realized how weak I was, and I had to tap out or die. So death scared me. There was no reward in that. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of crushed and I'm down. And in this quiet moment, I started remembering, you know, and there were people that had been speaking into my life, and, and it's like, I'm, keep telling me about this Jesus guy. 
in that he just wants me to follow him. But that means there's going to be some effort on my part. And I was afraid of that effort. And, but, but it's gotten so bad that it's like, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I can't make any promises. But what I hear you have, I think I want. And I never said it out loud. I said it quiet in my head. It was a cool meeting because it was just Jesus and me. And I think that's how we all get to Christ. You could do that same quiet thing in a room of 10,000 people and still have that silent, quiet moment. Because Jesus, in the beginning, isn't asking us to have a public relationship with him. He's asking for a private relationship with him. And that private relationship happens one-on-one. And for me, it was scary But it was also relieving because surrender, sacrifice were both negative words in my vocabulary. And they're actually really positive. And it's the best thing that's ever happened in my life. So then we go to this tragedy and it happens and my brain flips out and so does ours. And the whole world's brains flip out and suddenly all of this chaos, it just gets super loud. And I got to go back to that quiet moment and I got to groan for a minute and say, can you choose another people, God, metaphorically? And it's like, no, we chose you. I got this. Okay. Thanks for listening to my groaning. What do I do? Oh, you offer your body as a living sacrifice. See, when we don't, then it's a selfishness. It's, it's, it's a living, self-serving thing that we do, and we'll sacrifice stuff, relationships, sanity, money, whatever. We'll sac- those are actually sacrifices that we make to this thing that gives us nothing back. And it's crazy making, and this one is like, yeah, now you're going to offer yourself, your whole self. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? You're awake X amount of time. It might be tonight. Some of you might have night jobs. Awesome. I couldn't do it. We're going to offer something here, but what do we offer? Well, if you're a list person, there's a section of Romans, and list people are amazing. I'm not one. Very far from a list person. I don't even know if I can spell list. But some people like, like to have things in a row, and God bless those people, and we need them in our lives. And, and then there's people like me that are a little more flowy. It's another word for lazy, you know. <laughs> Is, is what it really is. But, you know, if we, if we go to Romans 12, uh, and we're going to go from verses 9 through 21. So keep in mind this tragedy, and keep in mind your daily life, and keep in mind Memorial Day, these people who, some of them, have sacrificed everything they had, and they laid down their life for you. It says this about how to be a living sacrifice. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those 
who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. America, that's a verse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And listen to this last verse. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We just witness horrendous evil. And the only way we can overcome it is with tremendous goodness. Tremendous goodness. So you want to know what to do? You want to know how to respond? That's how. There's two parts in the end of that little reading. And one of them says, uh, don't repay evil for evil. And that's what I want it to do. I want it to go hurt somebody in a bad way. It says, don't do that. And I kind of want justice in this, but I don't know what that looks like. So God took that burden away from us. I mean, that's just like a praise God moment. You know, praise God. He took that away. He said, this is going to be incredibly hard for us, us humans living on earth, to mete out justice. That's mine. Vengeance, says God, is mine. You won't be able to handle it. Let me deal with it for you. Thank you, God. We could take a breath. It might not look what you think it should look like, and I'm glad for that, because it shouldn't look what I think it should look like either. It's what he thinks it should. All of those people involved for whom Christ died. And then the last part is, if your enemy comes and they're hungry, feed them. And if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And that's really cool. I mean, that just takes away all the power of an enemy when we treat them with love and respect. And it also says this really cool thing about heaping coals on their head. So I want to describe that. Uh, maybe you already know this. Maybe you don't. But it's not going out to the general store and getting charcoal briquettes and lighting them on fire and putting them on people's heads you don't like. Okay? You may not do that. No fires. It's not what it means. So, man, if somebody goes out and does that and said, well, they told me to, it's online. Don't do it. What it means is this, is travelers would meet, and they're in the Middle East, and their weather is kind of like northern Michigan's, where it'll be 90 uh, tomorrow, and yesterday we needed blankets, right? And it's kind of like that, except it's during the day and the night. It gets really hot, and then it gets really cold. Ask those who lived in the desert for a minute. And in that cold, that can kill you. 
It can weaken you. It can hurt you. And so fire is very precious. And someone may come up to your fire and say, may we join you? And you say, yes, you may. Come on. You need some food, water? And they sit down, and in the morning, they've banked the fire, which means there's coals, so they can start it again. And as the, the new person in your life, the stranger who's not a stranger anymore, um, that person is getting ready to leave and go a different direction. You take some of your precious coals, and you put it in a thing that they had built that they could wrap it up, that it still had a little bit of air coming in, but it wouldn't burn and then these guys with their, their turbans, they had this thing that they could put on top of their head that didn't let the heat through. And they would put it on and then wrap it up, and they would go, and wherever they went to, they could start a fire, which means they could have life. And you were giving that, and it says, don't just give them one. Let them have a bonfire. Heap it on there. So that's what that means. It, it, isn't that a beautiful picture? And it's like... What if that was your enemy and you did that? No longer be an enemy. Because we're overcoming evil with good. And this response we have, it's like we want justice. Yeah, we do. But that's God's. And we want it to change. Yeah, we do. But you want to know what you can change? You can change people's hearts in your life. You can make them bitter and angry and frustrated with you in the name of Jesus when you're arguing over things that don't matter. Or you can show love and compassion. You can show that you have feelings and that you have trust in a Savior that's going to make it right. And no, we don't have answers. I don't know why that happened. I don't. It's evil. It's just, it's just pure evil, and I don't want to get into the psychology of anything or how somebody was raised or, or, or whatever. the circuit, that, that, That's not important. What's important is these families are suffering. So the family that's suffering that lost a spouse or that lost a child were right in front of you. Would you kneel down and argue with them about your political ideologies? Because if you do, you're a sociopath. Jesus pulls that away and he says, no, love that person. Be a sacrifice. What are you sacrificing? All the fear that you have in you that wants to lash out. Nah, be a sacrifice. Do it while you're alive. Pull that back in. It takes self-control to do that, I will admit. And you might fail for a minute. My advice is do like I do. I fail in front of my dog, and he doesn't remember. <laughs> I don't do it online where it's there forever. We're redemption in process. We're healing in process. And we've received this magnificent gift. And God loves what is good. And when we do good, in our spirit and with our bodies, it is a sweet aroma. It is a sacrifice that pleases God. I mean, amen, right? It pleases God. That's a goal that's really worthy. And I hope, I hope that the words that I'm saying do justice and, and, and maybe it can bring you along in that little bit of a journey Micah 6.8 tells us 
this. The author says, he has told you, O man, that's humankind, what is good. So he's already told us what is good, and that's really beautiful and amazing. Uh, it's, it's, it's not cryptic or uh, necessarily up for debate. It's like, no, he's told us what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God? We're walking with God. He provides us with opportunities. We lay out the stuff of our life, and he redeems it and uses it. That's called an offering, and he is pleased. And he's going to use that to point people and call people to him so they can finally look in the mirror and say, for whom Christ died is me. That's our goal. That's it. It's that simple. For whom Christ died. Yeah, who did he die for? You and you and Manistee and online and the people in Texas, the people on the other side, the people on our side, the entire planet. He died for the Nazis. He died for the Jews. Died for them all because he showered his grace on each of them equally. And it's so beautiful that he gives us free will, like John Williams said in the very beginning, so we can have a relationship. You can say no, and it won't go well for you. You can say yes, and you'll be stretched as far as your sinews will let you be stretched. And it's a good feeling. The only reason we can do this is because of the sacrifice Jesus made. The only reason we have hope today is because Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus, in his brilliance, knows who we are and that we're human and that we have built-in forgetters and we'll forget stuff. I mean, that's why he asked the Israelites to stay together and and don't don't mix with all the other ones for a while. Let's have a minute and, and get strong first. And they didn't, and we saw the consequences because they have forgetters. And we have forgetters. And so he has the disciples just before his death, they're in the upper room, and it's communion is what it's called. So we're going to get ready for communion here and in Manistee. And if you're online and you'd like to take it yourself, you can use whatever elements you like. But this is how it goes. Jesus presents the bread, and he breaks it. He goes, this bread is, is me. It symbolizes me, my earthly body. And my earthly body is going to be scourged, and it's going to be bruised and brutalized. He's talking about all the way to the cross before he dies. And I want you to take this, and I want you to eat it. See, it's so brilliant because it's tactile. We can feel it, right? And we remember things that way. And, and he wants us to remember this, not, not for his glory, but for God's. And he says this. Wine, and we use juice, uh, symbolizes my blood. My blood paid the price for you. My blood paid the price. So you can live in peace, and now that you have this and you've accepted the grace, you can offer yourself as a living sacrifice because the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus Christ to the death. And then he defeated it. So scripture says that uh, 
If you're a follower of Jesus, you should participate in communion, and I'm going to invite you to participate here in Manistee. And if you're not a believer, uh, just sit it out. That's okay. We're so glad you're here. There's no pressure on this. And it also says that you know, if you have unresolved sin in your heart, if there's something going on, don't take communion today. Resolve that and take it the next time. So I'm going to encourage you to follow that bit of advice in Scripture because it also comes with a warning. And the warning is don't do that. So have clean hearts when you come up. Not perfect hearts, clean hearts. I'm going to pray, and then the servers both in Manistee and here will get ready, Uh, and then we're going to take communion, and we're going to take it in an orderly fashion. So uh, that doesn't mean we're going to go alphabetical. It means that we're going to uh, honor others and let people have a little space. Father, thank you for the gift of Memorial Day. It's important for us. We need to remember those who sacrificed for us and for our freedoms. Father, thank you for giving us the grace and giving us purpose and meaning when we have faith with deeds. And Thank you, Father, that you spur us to be a living sacrifice, that we don't wait until we're done, we don't wait until we're dead. We do it now while we're alive and have power, and it isn't our power, it's your power. Father, the same Holy Spirit who can groan before you on our behalf, and you can understand, is the one who will guide us in our daily lives so that we can make offerings to you. Father, we just praise you for that. Thank you for sacrificing your son, for willingly allowing that to happen so I could know you. Thank you, Jesus, in your blessed name. Amen.